Are you a home educator starting Latin and feeling overwhelmed? Are you a Latin teacher looking for new inspiration and ideas? Or are you a casual learner beginning your journey into ancient languages? If so, this podcast is for you. In each episode, language teachers and experts come together to share their knowledge and experience with you in an accessible, fun, and inspirational format. We'll break it all down for you, from teaching tips, to choosing a curriculum, to staying motivated and keeping it fun. We hope this podcast helps you become the best undead language learner you can be, wherever you are on your journey. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Demystifying Latin and Greek Undead Languages for Living Brains. We have five guests, no, four guests today. One of them is a small bean. Yes, I have my son sitting on my lap, so please excuse any uh, odd squeaky noises. (laughs) And again, we have Hannah Macell, Rosemary Angles, and Margaret Johnson, who come from Wyoming Catholic College, and we brought them back again because they're fantastic, and also because they learned Latin in a very unique way compared to myself and Annie. Annie and I both learned Latin in the grammar translation method, which is, as we've talked about, kind of like putting a puzzle together to get a language out of it. You have a lot of charts, a lot of vocabulary. We were just talking about how sometimes the amount of vocabulary could make you cry. <laughs> it was a lot. It was a bit like doing math problems at times, especially early on in the beginning. And it doesn't necessarily get at all these sort of language parts of your brain. So it has that disadvantage. But um, Hannah, Rosemary, and Margaret all learned Latin in a much more immersive style. And this is perhaps something that feels more accessible to somebody with an ecclesiastical Latin background since it lives a little bit more in the modern world through the Vatican and the Catholic Mass, as we discussed. So we'd love to hear from you three. Welcome back. We would love to hear from you three how the style is different from the more common grammar translation style of learning Latin. Hello again. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Salvete. Salvete. Vos. 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 Just correcting. Oh my gosh. Um, this is what happens when you have ecclesiastical speakers. <laughs> yeah. I'm a pagan, okay? <laughs> so um, instead of like getting a sheet and we were like supposed to, I guess we did have sheets that we were supposed to memorize with all the grammar, like in the um, different cases, we would often, like if you looked at our like the outside of from an outsider's perspective what our WCC Latin class was you would think it was like a zoo (laughs) we're all just like running around and um our professor just used a lot of repetition to get that in our heads um to get every word and then also just immediately he had us uh, begin talking with each other yeah and I think it's really interesting how Annie mentioned how Annie mentioned that Latin through the grammar translation method was kind of like in the beginning, putting math problems together. Mm-hmm. At Wyoming Catholic College, something I thought a lot about and something we all talked about pretty often was sort of the very discursive, syllogistic way of thinking versus the poetic mode, a sort of more experiential literature, humanities-based way of thinking. And for us, a lot of Latin we did 
felt to me to be firmly in the category of the poetic mode and the experiential mode rather than the sort of mathematical um, fitting things together like a puzzle. Our professor would very much connect experiences to words for us. Mm -hmm. So when he wanted to teach us words, we would act them out. We did a lot of acting out. We did a lot of gestures. There's something called TPR, total physical response or something like that, where you try to get your whole body invested in what you're doing and memorize things that way. And so it did look kind of like a zoo. You would, you know, walk by the Latin room and just see a whole bunch of college students um, <laughs> jumping around and yelling and uh, making gestures. And we did memorize endings and um, we did have worksheets and we did do translation and we read. Uh, we had a lot of reading groups. Um, but so much of what we did was very conversational. And, and so now um, what I speak at home with my roommates and I speak to them in Latin, I'll say like, uh, what do you want for supper? Or, oh my goodness, I'm so tired. Or, you know, things like that. Um, so learning it like a language, you end up using it for very casual um, and ridiculous things sometimes, which is, which is fun in Latin. So yeah, there's a, well, we do some of that at our current school. It's a different story teaching with slightly younger ages. But yeah, I think it makes it a lot more fun uh in a lot of ways um what are some of the advantages that you feel that you got from learning it in this style as opposed to uh we can talk to rosemary who did both grammar translation and then at wcc this more immersive spoken latin style what were some of the advantages you you saw to learning it in this style versus the grammar translation style that you started with yeah, well, I learned Latin, first of all, through the grammar translation, um, and then secondly, at college, um, through the immersive style. And um, it was definitely different. Um, I think there are advantages to both. Um, so I have, I guess, an interesting perspective, because I learned a lot of the grammar and a lot of the foundations before I went into the immersive style. So came in with that kind of background, which I think perhaps made it slightly different for me. Um, but I think learning it in an immersive way definitely made it feel more like a language and less like um, perhaps like a math um, problem, as you said earlier. Um, the grammar translation does a lot of, um, I guess, well, translating into English um, and less of treating it as a language, as something that you use to communicate with other people, which is fundamentally what a language is, is a method of communication method of seeing the world around you as well and communicating that to others and so I think immersion um, taught us to uh, see Latin as a, as a language and also taught us how to um, to see the world in a different way and how to communicate with people in a specifically Latin mode I guess. A huge factor of the immersion style for me was just the joy factor. Um, I remember when we went on our week-long um, trip to Moab, where we only spoke, well, <laughs> we only spoke Latin, plus minusque. <laughs> um, but like just seeing something that I remember with all, all three of us were on that trip. It was just like when we saw lizards, we'd be like, lecherta! <laughs> and just um, kind of being able to, share that with others as opposed to you know if you're like looking down on a piece of paper you're just like in your head lecerta 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 means lizard um so yeah the joy factor was huge 
Yeah, there's something um, that a new a new language is like a new set of eyes kind of getting into what Hannah was talking about. If your experience of the word la certa or la certa in classical <laughs> is is just, oh, that was one of my flashcards or, oh, that was chapter three of whatever textbook I'm working with. That's very different if when you learn the word for goose, it's because you saw it out in the wild and you got excited about it. And, and, you know, you see that thing, but you've only been speaking Latin for days. And so you're looking for how you can name it and point it out to people. And then when your professor gives you that word, it's so exciting. Mm -hmm. And so, so many stupid little funny things on that outdoor trip were the best things in the world. Like everything was just gorgeous because Mm -hmm. (laughs) we could describe it in, in these new words. Um, And so the Latin sort of gave us an experience of the outdoors and, and just the world and each other. But then the world and each other and the outdoors also went back and affected how we understand the Latin. And I have this really vivid memory of reading Ovid's um, Pyramus at Tisbe for the first time. And I, I did not know how the story was going to end and I was reading it in Latin. And um, it was just extremely vivid and horrible. That's a, a very bloody story. <laughs> and beautiful because as you know I gradually uh started to understand what was happening the images in my mind were not images from Quizlet or something it was images from my experience and so whichever vocabulary words I already knew like blood or whatever you know you you have you have memories associated with that sort of the same way you would in your native language where it's natural and it's a little bit visceral because you know if you if you first figure out how to say lizard because you see it like scuttering over a rock or something like that that's that's a really that's a experiential connection to the vocabulary yeah one example i have of that is when we're playing cards and you know when someone's showing you your their cards accidentally you say you're bleeding well margaret says sangue is fluid <laughs> and like every time she says that i just imagine blood flowing down from their cards but no it's just that she's ex- they're exposing the cards <laughs> it's almost like getting to experience and the world in a bit of a childlike way again mm-hmm. like you're getting you know if you were not speaking latin if you were just speaking english and you saw the lizard going across the rock you just be like ah oh, a lizard okay and then you'd move on with your day but because you learned that word in latin or because somebody just taught you that word and said that's the character right mm-hmm. there then suddenly it's like so much more fun to point out basic things you see every day because it wasn't that exciting because you've known that word for ages but now you're learning a new way to communicate it and it's fun and you're experiencing it, you're experiencing things you've seen every day, but you're almost experiencing them with new eyes all over again. And so you can enjoy the lizard in a way you normally wouldn't. Right. So it's, it's cool. That was, that was a huge thing our professors emphasized was um, learning any language. You start from, you know, just a couple of words and then you kind of scatter those into your primary language. And um, yeah, he would say, we have to be secret parvily like little children. Um, when when speaking Latin, which doesn't just add to the joy factor, but also like the humility factor. <laughs> yeah, I guess I would I would um, add that I think learning another language um, does really teach you humility. That you realize that you cannot learn on a, a language immersion style unless you have the humility to make mistakes and be like 
a little child again learn through making mistakes yeah that's a valuable part of it we talked a lot about this as language teachers annie and i did of you know being kind to yourself and allowing yourself to make mistakes and appreciating what you learn through those mistakes both as a learner and as a teacher of these languages which is kind of interesting and difficult when it comes to certain age ranges because the older your students get the more perfection they want and it's very hard sometimes to convince people no this is good this is part of the process making mistakes you know we can talk about you know the logic behind the mistakes and that can help you learn and that can you know it's that's kind of been an interesting balancing act for me teaching it lately and especially because i get to teach it to eight-year-olds and then college students and having <laughs> to kind of balance the different needs of both groups it's also challenging with i'm sure margaret and rosemary you can concur with me on this that the age group that we teach to is extremely dedicated to in an interesting way, they make a lot of mistakes, but they're also very, very dedicated to making sure you don't make mistakes. And when you tell them something and then you tell them another thing, you're like, you said it was this way. And you're like, well, it's a language and it's complex and there are different ways to say the same thing. And they're like, but you said it was this way. I don't understand. <laughs> so there's all the, all the fun of, I think within a language, in addition to making mistakes, the fact that languages are fluid, even a mummified language, as we put it with Latin, um, they're fluid and flawed because they're in use by humans who are flawed. So I'm sure that's part of the experience. I wonder, or we, we also wanted to discuss where you see potentially the drawbacks of learning in this style or, you know, any of those kinds of things. Yeah, well, I can kind of connect one of the drawbacks to one of the strengths. Um, learning Latin immersion style is very good for teaching humility because when you've got something to communicate, and even if you are a college student who normally gets really good grades and is perfect at everything, but your Latin is imperfect, but you know, you're, you're out there and you need to communicate something, you're going to have to say it as best you can imperfectly. And so it forces you to get okay with moving forward and improving yourself as you go. On the other hand, um, a drawback is sometimes you know, when we are out there on our outdoor trip or you're in the classroom, you just really want to communicate something, you might get a little bit less motivated to speak grammatically correctly or grammatically beautifully because you can, you can say things pretty simply, you know, you can sort of communicate at kindergarten Latin level. Um, and if you're speaking it all the time and your friends around you start to um, understand your kind of really casual kind of Latin. Sometimes you can get stuck at that level and you stop pushing yourself to, um, you know, look at the text and, and steal really little cool grammatical terms of phrase and, and take that into your own vocabulary. You might kind of just stick at the level of, I want food. I am tired. Mm -hmm. That is funny. <laughs> that is a lizard. And you might not be like, I want to be the next Cicero and start, you know. Um, and so, when you're speaking and you get into like the little like the little kid mode of humility and you get really excited and you see everything really beautifully i think you have to make sure to take it to the next step and realize that you can express yourself beautifully as well i think that definitely emphasizes um the importance of when you're speaking um latin 
it's very important to be with people who know how to speak it really beautifully because like yeah you can just say volo chivam and like or call everything rem quaso <laughs> dami but then you you know if you're on an immersion trip with your professor and it seems like everything they're saying is poetry you're just like <laughs> i want to be like that mm-hmm. and so i think yeah that that's that could be a disadvantage um but if you kind of prevent that by being around very people who are much smarter than you who are better at speaking latin i think that can be remedied yeah remedied <laughs> no pun intended <laughs> remedied <laughs> I think um, having done both, having started off as uh, doing grammar translation and then turning to conversational approach, I found myself a little bit frustrated with some of the ways that we would do, we would learn it conversationally. Um, And I think I really, I really believe in um, doing immersion style, but I think sometimes in the classroom, um, it's more effective to teach things um, grammatically than um, immersion style sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think that because a language is something that you learn through conversation with people, not ultimately in a classroom, that sometimes it falls short when you're trying to have a conversation in the classroom just because that's not really what a language um is ultimately it's a conversation a meaningful conversation um, with people so i think that's one of my maybe one of the major drawbacks i think that um, it can be difficult even if you do a lot of repetition in the classroom to remember things even um, because if it's divorced from that meaning like on an immersion trip you see the lizard and it has that meaning but in the classroom, it doesn't have the same meaning. So I think that's my my major drawback. Along those lines, uh, we, we talked a little bit about this. It's one of the flaws of a comprehensible input approach to Latin, because this is a flaw to any immersion style language to some extent, that if you aren't using it in that meaningful way outside in the world, it's hard to develop a rich, mm-hmm. poetic, nuanced, complex way of communicating in that language. And Latin poses a particular challenge because if you're learning French or Spanish or German, there are a lot of ways that you can access living communities of speakers uh, who can help you to nuance your capabilities in your spoken forms of the language and elevate yourself above that kindergarten level as Mm -hmm. we're talking about. Um, But that's where it would be really interesting to hear from you what some of the spoken Latin community aspects of your education were like what extracurricular activities, as you mentioned, your immersion trip were provided for you to help you to get to that level or to move beyond those simple in-classroom activities that maybe didn't get that meaningful aspect of the spoken and shared experience of language brought through all the time. The spoken Latin community at Wyoming Catholic College was wonderful. And we were a sort of I was always looking for excuses to just speak Latin. Um, And because everyone was required to speak Latin there, you could a little bit speak to anybody in the school in Latin and expect them to get the gist of what you were saying. But then we had our week-long immersion trips, which would be, for example, um, canoeing the Green River in Utah, 
but no English allowed, or maybe mm-hmm. just camping um, in Sinks Canyon and only speaking Latin or um, backpacking trips that were only in Latin. Um, and then there would be Latin weekends where you would go um, on a little retreat and get off of campus and sleep in a church basement somewhere or something and only speak Latin for the weekend. And uh, then Rosemary would host Latin tea where we would just go to the dorms, um, just go sit in the dorm room. Everyone just drinks tea and we only speak Latin to each other. But we also had Oralita. We also had Oralita. <laughs> yeah, Oralita happy hour. We just go to the bar and only speak Latin mm-hmm. at the bar. <laughs> um, but when you're speaking this language and you're all, you know, you're in that childlike wonder, um, imperfect kind of forced humility mode. Mm-hmm. It's so much easier to um, interact socially with people. There's so much less judgment. You're sort of not looking for double meanings. Um, it's it's kind of a little bit easier to make friends and just be joyful and ridiculous together. Um, so that was a really fun aspect of the community there. Yeah, I think probably one of the things that has been very noticeable to me about the spoken Latin people or just people who are interested in Latin or Greek in general is we are, we have generally given ourselves a lot of permission to just be excited like little kids about it. And that's something that I really, really love about it. And I love hearing this from you guys as well. Yeah, for sure. And we've, so we've kind of discussed this a little bit. Uh, but perhaps you have some thoughts on, we've talked, we talked a little bit about what it does to you when you go out into the world and speak this language, but how does it kind of change your sense of the world or your experience of each other, your company and the things that you see when you get the chance to immerse yourself fully in this language so much, even if it's plus minus <laughs> That's a really good question. <laughs> Well, I think a lot of it is that childlikeness, um, but also just the newness that you see everything through a new light that um, it's amazing uh, how we use our language so much that a lot of words have just become a little bit dead, that they just don't have life anymore because we don't, we don't even think about our language when we use it. We kind of just, it kind of just rolls off our tongue. Um, Whereas I think with Latin, you have to really choose your words a lot more, a lot more intentionally. And so because you're choosing your words intentionally, they have more meaning and have more weight. And um, having, when your words have more weight, um, they are just, there's so much, there's so much deeper, I suppose. I was, I was just gonna say that nowadays, um, people don't care to understand other people very much. You know, people just assume, oh, I know what you intend to say because I don't know. I don't really care otherwise. (laughs) But with Latin, you're forced to like really try like uh, with my friends and I who the ones who do know Latin. And I was kind of like a newbie. I I started getting interested in Latin like junior year, I think. And um, (laughs) they're just like forced to dissect things and make little puzzles out of my words to get a whole picture. And I think that's a really beautiful, like integral part of friendship is um, like trying to understand your friends, um, being committed to their words and what they want to communicate. Kind of sounds like we're getting at the idea of like 
forcing yourself to listen more carefully to other people and the experience of just stopping. Because a lot of the time I feel like when you're speaking a language that's very natural to you, that you're used to, like sometimes there's you, you develop that habit of listening not to hear and to internalize the meaning of the person's words, but listening to, to speak yourself. Just you're sitting there listening, waiting for your turn. And when you're speaking another language and you're learning another language, um, the, the experience, the humility of, of struggling through it, and the experience of, as you said, kind of stopping and dissecting the words, you don't have time to be thinking about what you're saying next. You're too busy listening and paying attention and the experience of just forcing you to have that deep, meaningful, intentional attention to the other person's words is a great one in a lot of ways it's it, it makes you do that it does make you a lot more conscious of what you say in english as well i've noticed with a lot of people that i've worked with that there is you know, when you can when you know and understand where words in english came from you are much more conscious of their use yeah it helps you to it helps you to think about the, the background the history of the language that you're speaking as well and the way that you use it Another really cool thing about um, the background of the language, one of our professors, one of his favorite things to do is he would read a little bit of Latin before bed every night, and then he would steal phrases that would go into his vocabulary the next day, into his toolbox. And so when he wanted to describe something, he would sometimes be describing it um, with the words of Cicero or you know whatever author he was reading last night. And it's just it's really cool to have sort of poetry and literature be the thing that is informing the way that you speak about the world and the way that you see the world. Um, and it goes back to, you know, when you're reading it, sort of the link between your experience of the world and the way all of these authors uh, saw the world and, and expressed what they saw beautifully. We have a, we're, I think, running up to the end of our time here, but we wanted to, unless you have any other questions, Annie, um, we have a, perhaps we had a uh, opportunity to provide a little bit of spoken Latin Ooh, for the listeners, whatever. Yes, so we've been doing a lot of uh, Margaret and Rosemary and I and Hannah when we've had some gatherings, which have been fun. <laughs> Uh, opportunities to speak a lot of Latin in the in the faculty office and we've gone out to restaurants and sometimes I accidentally say gratias to the waiter yes. it happens a lot or I I've had somebody come up and ask me a question in the faculty office and I'm like Ita un minuta and I'm like wait a minute nope <laughs> he's not this one doesn't speak Latin it's it's really fun one time um I was working like in the summer of my the summer after my freshman year of college I was working at a like barbecue place and I was working as a cashier somebody came with a latin tattoo and I was like oh my gosh I was like promote it to Hawaii's and he's like what <laughs> no <laughs> so sad said dikimus latine paulum latine paulum paulum plaquet uh salweta Salve. So Salve. <laughs> Salve day. Bono mes. Gaudemus loqui de rebus latinibo. Ita et gaudeo quia 
Vos hic estis. Gratias tevi. Gratias. Vacet novis loqui de latine. Clea amamus linguam pocram, pocherimam optimamque. Ita est. Amel catum tuum. Cabeo catum et cat. Catus est crassus. Catus crassus et poker. Catus ex cubiculo est. Quia ea clamat semper et non bonum est si nos dicimus de latine hic. Si volumus audi. Ita. et iam sed meus filius est. Ay, nimis clamat. <laughs> Filius sonitum facis. Strepitum. Strepitum. Magnum sonitum. <laughs> well, that's a lot of just varied lot. We have a lot of sort of Latin conversation. I feel like at present I'm still at that kindergarten level mm. because I very much learned the grammar translation style and it's very exciting and humbling for me to be here at the school with my doctorate struggling to understand all the spoken latin so it's it's a great experience for me um and he has a chatty child so is there anything else you'd like to add about your experience or i'm sure we could talk for ages but yes we could talk for ages about it I think um, just a huge part of the experience for me has been the people who love it, as mm -hmm. always. Um, so I'm really grateful for my professors, or past professors. Yeah, and it's great to be here with this community here in Phoenix. There's a lot of Latin speakers mm -hmm. here. It's a lot of fun, and it's really new and exciting for me. It's not something I've ever had before. Yeah, and it's also like the most welcoming community because they're, you know, beggars can't be choosers. No, <laughs> it's not like we have people lining up to talk to us in Latin. So it's like, you want to say something? Please come, Benny. Benny, yeah, Benita. Uh, I've been at the little Latin dinners that we hold, and I feel a little like a child mm -hmm. at those. I'm there, I'm like, Wolo came from poverty. Very basic, like, Salve omnes, fesasum. So I'm, I, I really do a lot of what you're talking about. I pick up phrases from the text that I read, and I'm also listening very intensely. And I, I really enjoy that experience of just listening. Mm. Sometimes at a lot of those Latin dinners with the other uh, Latin teachers from the area, I just sit and listen. To what they say and I file their phrases away for later use that's the way to do it so it's great fun well thank you all for coming it's been good to have you yeah, thank you for having us we're super happy to be here yeah thank you so much and perhaps in the future we'll have cause to bring some more uh, latin speakers along for future episodes as we as a baby podcast figure out what we want to talk about more and what people would like to hear from us thanks for listening if you like this podcast please be sure to subscribe for future episodes 
For more information, you can visit our website, museoneducation.com. That's spelled M-U-S-E-I-O-N, education.com. Also linked in the show notes. We wish you a happy language learning journey.